Welcome to the Binge Your Bum Podcast with Ellen Sherman and Gillian Gordon. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, it's the show. Hi. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Binge or Bum. We're two chicks with nothing better to do than binge watch TV. Our motto? What is our motto? Our motto? I remember our motto is we binge so you don't have to. We are going to review shows that people are talking about somewhere in the world, just maybe not here in the United States. And what's our methodology? Well, it's what we like. Quality scripted drama. So if you only watch stocks, then this isn't for you. And and Gillian, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> oh, God, I forgot to introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Gillian Gordon. Who am I? Yes, uh, I, I think I just had an existential crisis for a moment there. <laughs> I completely forgot who I, I was. I started out life uh, at film school. Then I worked in film and television for 30 years. I then became a professor of film and TV in the UK. And well, what about your time in Singapore? Oh, yeah, I was in Singapore for two years working with Tisch School of the Arts. Well, I'm Ellen Sherman, and I am a writer and producer, both of which I came to uh, on a very circuitous path because I was an actress for a long time, and but then wound up uh, working in docs. Actually, was at Dateline as a producer for nine years, where we examined what happens when rich, attractive people kill each other. That's basically what what Dateline does. Today, we're going to be taking a look at a South Korean series, Sisyphus, then from Finland, Border Town, and a Spanish series, Sky Rojo. Sky Rojo is a colorful, action-packed half-hour series written and produced by the Money Heist team, and it delivers lots of fun and violence. And I, I kept on thinking the authors must have inhaled pulp fiction while snorting lots of Almodovar and Rodriguez. That's a perfect encapsulation of the spirit of this, by the way, because there are, there's a lot of drugs and there's a lot of drugs and a lot of action. It traces three prostitutes who are basically indentured servants working in a fantastical whorehouse on the island of Tenerife. And an attempt to flee uh, flee from their charming but ruthless pimp. Romeo. Yes, Romeo. They use their wits to pull off a heist in, you know, ultimately to steal the profits from the uh, whorehouse. And interestingly enough, the creators of the Sky Rojo call this Latin pulp, which is clearly an homage to Tarantino. The colors are all of that kind of action crime drama. That rich color, really strong graphics that we love in Almodovar movies. Exactly. I mean, they they do wear sexy costumes and they are very hot and sexy, but there is there is this really sense that they, that they are liberated and they've been brazened by their abuse. Yeah. And that, you know, they've hit the road in a kind of chaotic journey with guns and violence. Um, but also we see how their friendship de- deepens. And then also we learn about how they got into right. this horrible situation. Dare I say it, their sisterhood is what yeah. keeps it keeps this movie really relevant and also fun to watch. They all come to this as an indentured servitude, really, because they've all been paid money to come join this organization, but the, the money they can never pay back. 
which is the case in a lot of sex trafficking. There's Gina, who has come from, uh, I think it's Cuba, where her family basically got money to sell her to- So she was sold. Yeah, she was basically sold to Romeo. There's Wendy, who uh, took the money so she could start a new life with a girlfriend, which never materialized. And then there's Coral, who's really the brains of the operation, or seems to be. She's a former biologist who escaping a dark past- but even the quote unquote bad guys have backstories that make them not cartoon characters, which given the uh, visuals of this, it's very easy to have this look like. Yeah, because it's very novel. fast cuts. Yeah. It's very, as we said, very hot colors. I mean, the king, uh, king pimp Romeo is played with irony and, and a lot of sadism by a wonderful actor named Asier Echtianda. I'm sorry, terribly sorry about pronunciation. And then his. His sort of henchman is Miguel Angel Silvestre, and he—that's Moises. And, uh, and Moises, who, but which I, I have to—I have to insert that he could have gotten the role on his abs alone because. He's, well, he's a wonderful actor, and and also I mean, he is familiar to people who have watched Money Heist because he is Tokyo's boyfriend. You know, if you've watched Money Heist, that the creators Alex Pina and Esther Martinez Lobato really do know how to put a show together. Yeah. And what's interesting also is that I found, and I don't often like this this conceit, but voiceover, you know, it shows how effective voiceover can be because in Money Heist, the voiceover is such an integral and, and terrific element of that plot. And in Sky Rojo, the voiceover also is um, is a real addition as opposed to just being there to explain things. There's a you know there's a kind of sense of sarcasm and and a little bit of even humor. That, oh, lots of humor. I mean, yeah. I, I think it takes you on a rip roaring ride. There are twists and turns and surprises. What surprised me was the love affair between uh, Moises and Coral, which I didn't think I would believe in, but I really did. Yeah, and also actually, there's a bit of a love affair between Coral and and Romeo yeah. too. So that. There, there are kind of deep underlying uh, emotions that are going on that do complicate everything. But nonetheless, they're, you know, they're doing their job. Yeah. They're going to get away from these guys. They're going to get their money. And those guys are going to get them. And they're going to pay. The guys are going to pay. And, uh, and it's watching how this happens. And it does not happen easily. What are we into? I think we're into two seasons. And I believe they're coming back for a third. They're coming back for a third. And I'm ready for it. So, so binge or bomb? Oh, binge. You? Binge. So every episode, we're going to be talking about TV. And when we do, we're going to be coming to you in our imaginations from one of our favorite bars or cafes. That's the great thing about podcasts, isn't it? So we can be in a fantasy place somewhere. Where are we going to be today? Today, we're in my favorite bar, which is called Dougie's and is on the south coast of Jamaica. In an amazing hotel called Jake's Place, which, by the way, is owned by the son of the director that directed The Harder They Come. Oh, yes. Coming up, a South Korean drama you can find on Netflix, Sisyphus. In Sisyphus, a handsome South Korean genius engineer whose name is Tai Sul seems to have the world at his feet. He's the co-founder of a mega successful tech company and is on the verge of releasing something called The Uploader. 
a machine that teleports objects and soon is going to apparently teleport human beings. Unfortunately, his older brother, who had supported his efforts all along the way, seems to have died mysteriously after giving his younger brother crazed warnings about a conspiracy that's out to kill him. And in a stock meeting that happens at the very beginning, it seems that this warning is true because a wild-eyed young woman shouts to the young entrepreneur that he's about to be killed and a shot does ring out. But it turns out this woman is the key to whether the genius lives or dies because she's a take-no-prisoners warrior teleported back from 2037. It's a future run by gangsters after a nuclear war has destroyed all of Korea. Uh, The uploader that the engineer is on the verge of discovering, that's what's the key to this nuclear war. So her task is to make sure that this genius doesn't create the uploader that'll one day damn the future. And for reasons that are unknown, the bad guys seem to want the uploader created. The series is a good guys, bad guys battle over the engineer and Korea's future. And the engineer and the woman are constantly on the run. And somehow the older brother seems to appear. So there's a lot of mysteries. Is he dead? Is the world going to end? There are scores of questions in Sisyphus and a huge amount of talent in the production. But on the whole, I was very confused. It's very confusing. I mean, and also... It's 16 episodes. Oh, God, um, yes. Of, of all this. But, but I have to say, I think it's beautifully designed and beautifully executed. And so I actually was pretty, pretty much with it most of the time, except for some kind of, uh, kind of, I think there's probably a major hole in the plot. If you're into fantastic fight sequences, there's lots of that. I think it's quite cool on that level. I was thinking, as you're talking about the art direction, the look of it, very uh, 2022 Blade Runner. I found that I could not keep up with the plot. Much of what's happening keeps happening in the same way. They're always on the run. The bad guys. It is. It is pretty formulaic. And and also it, there's also at the core of the storytelling, the, the genius engineer and the warrior from the future who's there to protect him and stop him from making the uploader are supposed to have this incredible chemistry. And there are these sort of None. wonderful long <laughs> shots of them, you know, really corny music playing. And you think they don't have any chemistry at all. And we're going to watch this for another, I've got like 12, at this point I have 12 more episodes to go. Oh no. Oh my God. Well, the funny thing is she is better as alone in about episode eight or nine. I won't spoil it for you. She's some, we find her in the future and we sort of go on a walkabout with her and she's quite interesting when she doesn't say anything. However, when she starts to really act, that's where we have a problem. Yeah. She's she's, not that charismatic. There are things in this though. I thought that whole, so the opening is the genius engineer prevents a very strange plane crash. Oh, well, of course. If it, right. um, and I think there's amazing sequences. That was like that. I thought that was great. The plane crash sequence was fantastic. Yeah. Know? And he saves the day. So, so I think, I think there's some, some really solid set pieces. We all a lot love of action. action. Yeah. A lot of action. Um, but these sort of goons who are dark suits and they look like the cast of the matrix and then you go- into the future. <laughs> exactly. You know? Men and men in men black. black. Yes. Even more appropriate. Another, another group. But then they never can shoot. They never can. Shoot. So there's like 20, 25 guys against one girl and they can't shoot. Nobody her. can get shot. Can, can you tell me what was the problem? Why would, did they want? I couldn't even understand why these two groups, because they're not just one group of bad guys. They confuse it even further by having two groups of bad guys. I didn't even understand. And I'm an episode like, I don't know, 11. 
why they wanted this uploader made. Why are they so invested in having a nuclear apocalypse in Korea? I, I, I think really it does not bear scrutiny. <laughs> so if you want to have some fun, <laughs> see some good chasing around sequences. Don't mind a bit of repetition. A bit. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> then I would say watch it. Like, so it's going- a big commitment. It's 16 episodes. So I'm going to say binge, but just. I think you were being way too kind. Um, maybe I've just invested too much time in this series and I'm resentful, but I would say bomb. Next up is Border Town. Border Towns, uh, there have been three series of Border Town. It's a Finnish noir, fantastic series. Oh, there's also been a feature film, which is out right now on Netflix. It really is a kind of classic crime thriller procedural about a gifted detective who moves his family to Lapinranta, a small city northeast of Helsinki on the Russian border. And he, he's hoping that life in this quiet town with its cozy crimes will be good for his wife, who's battling cancer and their teenage daughter. But from behind every lovely snowy tree is a serial killer, a gruesome secret or new family nightmare. And Detective Kadi Sorinian is at the center of everything. And, and leading his investigation team, he's got a great team. He's, is, he's got the badass former FSB Russian, which is the Russian FBI, Lena at his side, who has the most amazing tattoos. And she, she's got a teenage daughter who also gets embroiled in the storytelling. This is a slow, all-consuming burn of a show that is not trading in the crime of the week scenarios, but rather prefers the two to three episode investigation, which I really like a bit like True Detective. It's stunningly shot, beautifully designed, desaturated cinematography, exquisite watery landscapes, pale gray interiors, and even paler blue-eyed fins. If you're a Nordic Noir fan, this is one of the best there is. I thought I was a Nordic Noir fan and I was not a fan of this. Yes, I found the character. um, He's an incredible actor, but his very what makes him a brilliant detective is it's his very disconnectedness from everyday life. Yeah, because he's a bit on the spectrum, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and and that makes him and I think uh, we were talking about how much like Sherlock Holmes, who was Mm. able to focus and marry in an almost inhuman way, which made Mm. him a great detective. And so so too with this detective. However, his lack of engagement made me less engaged with him. Hmm. I I found that uh, the only thing that I was interested in was when his partner came on, Lena, who's brilliant and wild and moved the plot along. Whenever he started interrogating people, to me, it was like watching paint dry. I just could Hmm. not wait for somebody to come in the room and stop this interrogation and move move forward with the plot. Yeah, I mean, his. His thing is that he sees things. He has an extraordinary memory and he kind of uses this memory palace technique of putting the different images and memories into, you know, holes on a graph or on using pretzels or whatever he is that he does. And then we get involved with solving the crime because sometimes we see things that he sees, sometimes we're behind him, sometimes we're ahead of him. I kind of like that when we were with him, when he was on a crime scene. I remember there was one on some snowy, because everything's yeah. snowy there, <laughs> uh, some snowy place. And I was seeing through his eyes 
how he was narrowing it. And that was fun. Yeah. But to me, there was too little of that and too much of him being one step ahead of me so that I had no idea why he was focusing in on something. I was I was not a fan of the three episode plot. I found that they dropped out of a story arc before I found that they were quite finished with it. And one story arc really drove me crazy because this is not the first time in Nordic thrillers and one is really where a evil construction company is involved in you know, destroying the land and building a casino. I know. I agree. I have, so, to, agree. I have to agree with you on that. I mean, like how many times, hey, screenwriters out there, <laughs> don't use that stupid device. There and must yes, be something okay. else going on that they could have used it was corruption. But that did that did seem a bit cliched. And then also the the strangeness of one of the ongoing s- series, which is the serial killer story. And he he runs through the whole series, and he's also in in the feature film. I quite like the serial killer. <laughs> when, you know, for me, whenever there was somebody else on the screen beside the detective, serial killer, you know, partner, I was excited. So, I what's just, it going to be? Oh, bomb! Border Town. I loved it. Binge. <laughs> And we hope you're going to join us next time where we're going to take a deep dive into an Israeli series called Losing Alice, a British series, Stay Close, and another series from England, Sex Education. <laughs>